0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, so while the offering's going around, they also have Bibles, so if you need one, you can just raise your hand. If you have an iPhone, you can have the Bible with you all the time. Uh, there's an app. You just type in Holy Bible, but it's uh, from our friends in the Midwest, and they make this amazing app. Um, so you can take that and use that so you always have a Bible with you. The thing about Easter is, um, well, it's kind of like church. So you have church, and you're, you're running around crazy like you're doing a wedding. And so if you've ever been involved in weddings, I, I get to do a lot of weddings, and when I'm doing these weddings, you see this couple that have to deal with all of these details for putting on the wedding, right? So they're trying to put this wedding together, and yet most of them just, they didn't, they wanted to get married. They didn't want to put on an event. Like, they wanted to be married, they didn't want to become event planners, but it's kind of like what comes with it, right? And so it's so easy to forget Why you were doing the wedding in the first place. And sometimes that's the way it is for Sunday mornings for church. And for Easter, which is kind of a bigger event, then you can really lose sight. And so I want us to be reminded before we even get started why we're here. Why we celebrate Easter. It's because he is risen. If that's all you remember, if that's all you hear, winner, winner, chicken dinner. He is risen. So I want you to say it with me. And, you know, we're playing the songs in the beginning. We're like, oh, can I sing? Or should we just let Hoku and the girls sing? Because they sound so good. I'll just kind of be underneath. And so we play it cool. But when we're doing He is Risen, and I would say for the songs as well for later, there's no reason to hold back. Okay? So say it after me, please. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. So if that's all you remember, winner, winner. You got it. So we're, we're planning Easter, and so a few months ago I was thinking about Easter, and I thought, it's really unfair. And I was all excited about that idea, and I was sharing it with my friend, and he said, um, I don't get it. And I said, you know, when something's unfair, you know. Like when you're driving down the freeway, and you're, you're, you know that kind of exit that locks up? Like we had some locking up yesterday on the freeway. But for us, it usually happens in L.A., so when we want to get off Wilshire Boulevard, which is where I have to go several times a year, we go up there towards Wilshire Boulevard, and it's just locked up. And so, you know, we get in right away, so we can kind of wait it out, and there's that little gap, and then that person comes. You know who I'm talking about, right? It's probably you. You come in, and you're, and you've been sitting there for like five, ten minutes, and this person just pretends like they're not doing anything, and they're, they're cutting lanes, cutting lanes, and they just bust in front of you. Unfair. I've been in line and you just cut and get all the benefits without having to wait. We had a, uh, my boys, they do SUP racing, and they had a, uh, a race up in Santa Cruz. And they're on a team of youth who are amazing. And so it's gotten to the point now where the kids, we said, look, you got to stop racing the other kids. you got to start racing the adults. All the guys with hair on their back, you got to race these guys. And so they've started racing them, and we've got this guy on our team that's amazing. His name's Tyler. And he's super fast. So they, they did the race, and he finished in second. And so they had these little timing chips that they put around your ankle so they can time you from, you know, from the moon. I don't know where the satellite is. but So they finished. Well, it turns out the guy in front got disqualified. They told him what they were supposed to do. He tried to get around it. Um, and so they disqualified him. So first place, right? Here you go, Tyler. They didn't give it to Tyler. They gave it to the guy in third because the chip in space said that the other guy was ahead of him by a second. But everyone that was there knew that Tyler finished second by, like, an amount. It was obvious. But the guy that finished third wasn't there. He had to go back. He's from Hawaii. So he had to fly back home or something, but he wasn't there. So he couldn't say, no, no, he finished in front of me. So Tyler's like, what? And everybody else there, they freaked out, right, because it was unfair, That's not the way things work here. But the fairness that we're talking about this morning is what about if what is unfair is in your favor? We all know what it's like to have someone cut you off. We all know what it's like. We all know that we're supposed to work hard for a certain grade. And if we put the work out, we're supposed to get a certain grade. And if we don't, then we either freak out or we have our parents call and freak out because it's unfair. Because the world runs by ungrace, unfairness. For example, if you're in a race like Tyler was, you win, boom. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? If you're in business, there's an economy. I'm going to sell this to you for this price. You will pay me this, right? And then I will hand you the, the goods, right? Sounds good. There's all it. Newton, Isaac Newton, you know who that is, right? So he had his laws, his laws for physics, and one of them was the law that says that for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction to create balance. So for example, if you bomb me, I will bomb you back. That's how we work, right? Sometimes it's in our families, sometimes it's in our marriages, with our friends, in business. That's how things work here. Tyler should have gotten that award. That's the way this works. But what if it goes in your favor? We don't know what to do. It like freezes us, especially as the significance goes up the ladder. So um, one of our staff, when she was in college, uh, she, she was a little embarrassed to say it, but it was pretty cool. She said it was the end of the semester, and the teacher was retiring, and she was... She's just over it. She goes, I'm exhausted. I just, I can't turn in the paper. I can, I'm not going to do it. So she didn't turn in a paper. For me, Mr. Do-Everything-The-Right-Way-In-School, oh, you did what? So she decided not to turn it in. Well, then she got her grade, and she got an A. She's like, what happened? Well, the teacher was retiring. He didn't want to be known as the guy that failed anybody, so he said, everybody gets an A. <laughs> she didn't do anything. And she got, so she wasn't like in awe, like, oh, She was like, yes, but still there's that sense of, like, that was unfair. Like, I blew him off and still got an A. But as you start going up the ladder in significance, we have a hard time with dealing with unfairness in our favor. I just caught eye with a friend of mine, and we went out to dinner with him and his wife and another couple on Friday night after Good Friday. And so I was thinking we were going to go low budge. And we were going to slide into Wahoos because my wife said, we've got to have fish. i was like, what? I just always want to have fish on Good Friday. Well, you didn't grow up Catholic. What's going on with this? But I love fish. She loves fish. And let's do it. So, but she switched everything on us. And we went to this new place. And it was not budge. It was a little bougie. And so we went there. And we're eating. And you know how it works. Like We know how the world works. It's a system of ungrace. There's three couples. We're going to take that bill. We're going to split it three ways. We're not in college anymore where you pretend you didn't see the bill and you don't tip. We're adults now. This is how things work. So the bill comes out, and one of the guys who I caught eyes with grabs the checkbook or the little whatever you call the thing with the bill. He says, got it. And then he tries to split it with the other people. My wife loses it. Because that's unfair. There's an un- understood agreement. We all chip in. How dare you take this from us? Because what are we supposed to do? We didn't earn this, and now you're just giving us something. And so she, didn't, she couldn't talk them into it, so she's yelling at them. and They're ignoring her, so then she starts yelling at me, and I don't know what to do. So we're in this situation because we don't know what to do with grace. You know that word, right, grace? So uh, there's a guy named Philip. And he has the best description I know of for grace. And it was given to him by a Hertz agent. Um, He was was in L.A., he's not from here, he was flying in, and he went to go to LAX, and he's not from here, so you have to get the car back by a certain period of time, otherwise they charge you all these fees. So he shows up, and he's in L.A. traffic, because he doesn't know. 58 minutes late for his window. So he comes up, slams the keys down. I mean, not like angry at her, but he's just frustrated with himself and frustrated with the situation because now he's got to pay all these extra fees. He doesn't have it, and he's got to explain it to his family. When he... So he's in line. He gives her it, and then she goes, okay, you're all good. He goes, no. Like, how much do I owe you? What? Yeah, how much do I owe you? Because I was supposed to get it here at 11, and I'm here at 11.58. She goes, oh, there's an hour grace period. What? And then this is the definition that she gave. The Hertz agent gave for grace. Because he said, well, what is this? What is this grace? She goes, I don't know. I guess it's when you're supposed to pay for something, but then you don't have to. That's what Easter is. When you have to pay for something, but then you don't have to pay for it. That's what grace is. And as you go up the ladder for things that are done that you haven't earned and you know it's unfair but it's done for you, it starts to become a little more intense. And so I'll share one last story because I just want us to get this idea of what does it mean to be unfair when it's in your favor because we're about to get to the ultimate grace bomb when we talk about what Jesus did for us. And so we were in Africa. There was a small team of us because we had recruited a team that had different skill sets, for Northrise University in Malawi. And uh, my good friend Moffitt um, brought us over, and and it was in the day when there were no tickets that were on your phone. Um, You had to have the ticket. And so, especially when you're traveling as far as we were with multiple stops, I mean, the tickets were like this thick. And basically those tickets, that paper is cash. And so one of the nurses that we had with us, she lost her ticket to come back home. So basically at that time, that's like $1,200, gone. She doesn't have it. She just finished nursing school. So her fiance is there, and he's a doctor, but he's just starting out. He's got loans up the Yazoo, so he doesn't have the money either. And they're freaking out because we're in Malawi, and do they take credit cards? How do we do this? And so there's about six of us in the room. Um, Moffitt on the campus at this point had a, it was a flat, that's New York talk for you guys that don't understand. And it's an apartment, a bigger apartment for teachers to stay at. So since we were teaching, um, we were staying there, but we were all gathered in the living room, and then it would break out to different rooms. And we're all in this circle, and everyone is just freaking out because we don't have an answer to this. And so as we're wrestling with the possibilities of what we can do, Moffitt walks in. Now, if you've met Moffat, he's been here, he's spoken here before, He's about six foot three. And he he defines himself as this. He goes, I'm I'm big. Like he's big. Like big face, big neck, big body, big arms, big he's just big. And so he walks into the room with a huge grin on his face. And he always has a grin on his face, but now it's a little bit more than usual. And he looks at us, he knows the situation. He goes, It's taken care of. We're like, oh you found it, someone found it. There was a drop. We're trying to figure out where they found the tickets. They didn't find the tickets. He says, we bought them. No, 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 no. This is unfair. You see, because we came, nobody says this, but everybody's thinking this. We came to serve you. I mean, you're the poor Africans, and here we are, the rich Americans. Nobody said it, but we were all thinking it. You're not supposed to do this. And his smile just got bigger as he looked at us and saw the shock on our face. And so he goes, it's taken care of. And as he's walking out the door, he's giggling. He's giggling. he's just laughing like Rafiki walking out the door and everyone else is just calm and one by one people start walking out of the room and I didn't really know what was happening I was kind of caught off guard and as I saw everybody walking I felt like the Lord gave me perspective he gave me eyes to see What happened was, is a bomb of grace just dropped in the middle and blew everyone up and they couldn't stare at it. So they had to walk out. And so as that realization came to me, I said, no, 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 everybody, come back. No, 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 you can't walk away from this. You have gotta stare at this in the face. This was a gift given to you. This is completely unfair and you can't pay it back. But this is the way it works in God's economy. Now, I don't think I said it all this clearly then. I have the benefit of hindsight. But that's what happened. I don't know the exact words that came up, but there was something like that. But if I could go back and say it the way I can see it now God dropped a bomb of grace there, and we did nothing to earn it. There's nothing we can do, and it's really hard to stare that in the face. But that's the way God's economy works. The world runs by ungrace. Oh, you're sick? Well, what would you do to make that happen? Oh, you're bankrupt. Oh, so you made a poor financial mistake? Oh, in fact, I was just meeting with a guy this week, and as I was meeting with him, he, he was looking at his life and saying, I want to pull my life together. I want to start following the Lord, and these were the words he used. I've got to grind this out. i got to get my act together and start walking with the Lord like I should, and I had to pause him and say, that's not what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian isn't that you do all the right things and then you're a Christian. You're a Christian because of what Christ did, because he came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. That's what makes us Christians. That is a bomb of grace that we don't know what to deal with, but you've got to stare that in the eye because there's nothing you can ever do to earn it. It's unfair, but that's what love is. Love is unfair and when you see it in a couple and you almost always see it with a parent to their kids being a parent is completely unfair (laughs) and the kids don't get it yet, do they? they start to get older and then it starts to click like wow, you were doing all of this for me and you got nothing out of it not only did you get nothing, you got negative (laughs) you were running, my account with you was in the red and you don't even care and you kept giving to me because that's how it's supposed to be. That's how God's economy works. So I want us with that in mind to now stare at the ultimate grace bomb that has ever fallen in the universe, that God so loved us that he sent his only son. So if you have your Bibles, open up there. And before we get into the final few days, the final really day, I want us to see all the f- unfairness that happened to Christ before we even get here. He chooses to be born into poverty, as a king but still in poverty. As he's growing up, no one recognizes or appreciates him. And then as he has these disciples, he's walking with them, and they've got, as there's healing people and doing good everywhere they go, the Son of God, God himself with skin on, is walking, and nobody appreciates it. And not only do they not appreciate it, But they persecute him and those with him. Persecution galore. And then, as the ultimate turn comes and they go, the religious leaders, as they go to grab him, the unfair gets to the next level because his best friends do nothing. They they walk away out of fear. Because sometimes that's what we do when we, we don't know how to react. We let fear take over. And so Peter and the other disciples, they betray him because they don't stand up for him. And then he's taken before a a religious leader. Of course a religious leader is going to get it right. You know who the first person is to strike God himself? A religious leader. And so Jesus is smacked by one of Caiaphas' officers. So they can't execute him. So then they take him to Pontius Pilate, who is the Roman governor who's in charge. He's the law of the land by the Roman invaders. And so since the Jewish leaders know that by law they can't execute Jesus, they bring in Pontius Pilate. And Pontius is wise. He's wise because he recognizes and states three separate times, he's done nothing wrong. He is not deserving of execution. But he doesn't want to shake the boat. Imagine that. He says he's innocent, And yet, he also is the one that says, I release him to you. You execute him the way you want to. And so they say, crucify him. And he falls to popular opinion. That's not the right thing to do. That's unfair. It's just one thing after another. And so then, because he's handing him over to be crucified, then they have, well, they have a system. Just before he says he's going to be crucified, they take this stick And it has nine separate leather straps to it. It's got pottery shards in it. It has glass. It has thorns. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to whip the prisoner. So he whips Jesus to the point where it comes and swings around and wraps around. So his back, it pulls the skin off. Talk about unfair. This is an innocent man, not just an innocent man, but the son of God. And I won't get into the details of it because I don't know if we could handle it this morning. But the skin is coming off, and he has blood loss to the point where he can't stand. And so they have to pick him up to bring him back into Pontius, as he says, then crucify him. And so then they take Jesus, and he's lost so much blood. In fact, they've whipped him more than the other criminals. They take him all the way to the line. The most that you can whip them is 40. Takes him right there to the line. So as far as you could punish a human... At this time, they punished Jesus. Is this not unfair? But remember, love is unfair. And so as they take him, they get to to the point where they're starting to head uphill. And it's on the north side of the Temple Mount. Just nearby there is a place called Golgotha. And it's kind of a carved out, um, in fact, it's really chalky around there. And most likely there was stone in that cave, so it looked like a skull. Which is why they called it Golgotha. And so they're bringing Jesus up, and as they get closer, there's these three vertical posts. One person said it this way they're like soldiers that are just waiting for their assignment because they're at attention. And they're just poles. I know you. No, there's the cross. The, cross the, cro- the, 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 the side piece is not in you, the crossbar is not in you. So it's just the sticks, just the poles vertically holding. And so as they take Jesus up, They have to actually have someone carry the crossbeam because he's lost so much blood and is so weak that they have to grab someone else to come in. Again, more unfairness. And so they're walking him up, and in the process of crucifying, what they have to do, I mean, think about it. You've got these criminals, because there's two other criminals on the docket for today. They know what's coming, so they have to have one soldier come and put their knee into his chest. And then two soldiers have to hold the right arm and two hold, have to hold the left arm and then, in case he knows jiu-jitsu, the criminals, they have to take care of the back legs and so they have a couple there. And You can't just put one on it because these soldiers are fighting, I mean, these criminals are fighting for their lives. So these common thieves are the first ones to go because they do Jesus last. And they're holding him down and then they have to take this mallet and they have to do two hits, one to go through the flesh right here And then one to go through the wood. So right there. And then they've got to do it in the back. And they're screaming and they're freaking out, right? And then the next criminal knows what's coming, so he's going even crazier. But then they get to Jesus. And Jesus is not fighting. Because you need to understand, Jesus willingly went through this. This was the purpose for which he came, to set us free, to show us grace. Nobody else could do it but the Son of God. No one. And imagine these soldiers as they're watching Jesus, and he's not even fighting back. He's all God, but he's also all human, so he's feeling this pain. But as he told Pontius Pilate earlier, look, if I wanted to, I could call a legion of angels And they would come and release me. And I'm thinking, why didn't you do that? Like, that would have gotten everybody's attention. Imagine the influence you could have had, God. Because I got a plan of how God could have done it differently. Don't we all? Like, why did you do it this way? Why did, I don't get it. I don't fully understand it. And I think sometimes I argue with God about the way that he went about Easter. Because I don't like to look at it. There had to be another way, right? So they bring Jesus up, and they have to um, use pulleys and systems to bring this crossbar up. And they put it in a place. And then as he's standing there, the insults are coming. The religious leaders are down there. Everybody's come out to see this, to see the criminals. And they're yelling, hey, if you're the Messiah, then save yourself. But I want us to look at what Jesus says because I think his words clearly communicate. They put a stamp on what's happening so that we can't be confused. These soldiers, these people, these leaders, Jesus looks out and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Do you think these soldiers had ever heard anything like that before? These religious leaders? We really don't know who he was talking to. I think that he wasn't just talking to them, he was talking to all of us. Because if we see this, we know that we're not worthy of this. It's unfair that God would do all this for us. It's so easy to look at this and go, oh, yeah, he's saying, Father, forgive the soldiers. Father, forgive the leaders. He's also saying it about us. Forgive us because we don't know what we're doing. That's one of my favorite statements in life for myself. I have to tell my wife, hey, Steph, I'm working on this marriage thing, but you got to know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I fully embrace it with my kids. They know it, but I want them to know that I know it. Kids, I want you to know that your mom and I have no idea what we're doing. I've said it as a pastor here before. I have no idea what I'm doing. We have to embrace that because it's the truth. But the idea of being forgiven for it, we feel like we have to do more, we have to earn more, but this isn't right. I need to do something to earn this. I need to read my Bible more. I should be in church. I should be nicer. I should give away more money. I should You should nothing. That's not what this is about. God, while we were yet sinners, came and died for us. And we've got to stare this grace bomb in the face. And so they begin to throw things and, and and doesn't really say how the soldiers responded, but there must have been some kind of pause, right? But then they jump right back into it. One of the criminals who hung there insults him, Aren't you the Messiah? Then save yourself and us. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? Like they're starting to realize, it says that earlier that both of the criminals mocked them. But now something's beginning to change because they're seeing how Jesus is is reacting. We all assume that Jesus is up on the cross and he's like, we all assume that, don't we? That's what I would look like. But something must have been different because one of the criminals begins to twist here and go, wait a minute, something's different about this guy. What if Jesus is just staring like this, as much as he's given strength and just staring out at the people? Not throwing them shade. I'm gonna get you, oh, it's on. But he's up there looking at them with love. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But it doesn't matter if we know what we're doing. He knows what he's doing. And so this criminal jumps in and says, well, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I mean, if he does that, if he just goes, And floats off of the cross and comes down it's going to be pretty impressive but that's not what he came for and he can save the criminals he gives them that opportunity not from the cross but for one of them who says please remember me when you enter your kingdom jesus says to that man i promise you today you will be with me in paradise But for Jesus to come off the cross wasn't an option. Because he can't do both. He can't save us and save himself. He knew that from the beginning. So he chose to die an earthly human death on the cross to save us. And we are expected to stare this grace bomb in the face. Now, usually when we give these sermons, if I'm doing it, Esh, Charlotte, anyone else sharing, we want to give you something to do. But what do I really give us to do? There's nothing that can be done here. All we can do is receive it. That's all that's expected of us. So then we think, well, then I'm going to receive it, and then what do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. Because if you can see this, and you can stare this grace bomb in the face, you will be different. You won't have to do anything. You will want to. No one will have to tell you, well, here's the rules. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. No, you'll want to follow Jesus because your trust will be there. And, and it's one thing to, to be crucified, but it's another thing to be crucified, to die. And then go, well, that guy was pretty impressive. That was really cool. He forgave people even though he was dying. Maybe he was crazy. kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Like only a crazy person would do something like that. But then they bury him. And on the third day, not 72 hours later, but on the third day, so this Friday happens around um, 3 o'clock. Oh, man, now I'm thinking it's at noon, Is at 3 o'clock. doesn't matter. He dies on Friday. And then on Sunday morning, he's not there anymore. Guards all around, and he blows the tomb off and is gone and then shows himself to over 500 people over a long period of time. So you can't call him crazy. He knew what he was doing. He went through it anyways. Why? Because he loves us. And love is unfair. And I want us to now look at his final words. You see, immediately, one of them, we don't know who it was, could have been a soldier, could have been someone else, they run and they got a sponge. And they filled it with wine vinegar. And it always struck me as weird when I saw this, because I thought they'd been mean to him all the way up to this point. So why would they grab a stick and then grab a sea sponge, because they had those around, and why would they then lift it up to give it to him? It just doesn't make sense. They're torturing him. They've done nothing of any kind of mercy or grace up to this point. But I thought, well, maybe. That kind of makes sense. I guess, you know, like a good Lifetime movie. They're like, oh, we are wrong. Let's give you something to drink while you're dying. And then someone opened my eyes to what was really going on. So he went to uh, Israel with his, his family, and he has, uh, well, he has a lot of kids, but two of his kids, his son was there and his little daughter, and they were uh, out uh, in, the, um, in the Judean wilderness, basically, and around the cities, they would have these, well, public toilets. They were long, pe- like, like a long dining table, except there was no dining going on there, and they had holes And that's where you would relieve yourself. No, like, privacy. It was just, hey, what's up? And everyone's there. Because they realized it was unsanitary to just be behind every tree, rock. And so they had a public place to go. And so there was a cistern that would have water flowing through there. So when you're done, you could clean yourself up. Not like a bidet, but kind of like a bidet. And so the poor, and the archaeologist was there with him. And uh, he'd had his daughter come up. He goes, I want to take a picture of you sitting down. And she's a little girl. She's like, eh, that ain't happening, but I'll stand next to it. So she's right there all cute, and he took a picture. But the archaeologist steps in, and he says, hey, let me tell you what happened here. Because what they would do is, is the poor slaves realized there was an income stream here. They realized that they could take a sponge, and they could put it on a stick, and they could wipe the undercarriages for a little bit of money. So when people would come out to the public bathroom, They would do that, except they realize that's extremely unsanitary. So they would use sour wine or vinegar as a disinfectant. You see what's happening here? Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. He put it on a staff, and then he offered it to Jesus to drink from. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. How could he do that? And then he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, it is finished. He's not saying, oh, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm gone. It is finished in the language that he's using. I mean, it's accomplished. The purpose for which I'm here is now done. The price has been paid. I took care of your bill. It's finished. In fact, that was a term they would use at that time. They'd have a little stamp. If you paid your bill, if you owned a little house or property or whatever, and once you paid it, they would take that stamp that said, it is finished in Aramaic or Hebrew, and they would stamp it down. And so Jesus proclaims that from the cross, and he does it with that grime, with the feces, and all of that in his mouth. That was the last thing he smelled as he said, it is finished. So when you ask yourself... Could God really forgive me? Could he, can I go so far from his grace that it can't reach me? There's nothing we could ever do to get away from his love. His unfair love in the midst of everything that happened, he pierces right through it. That's why we celebrate Easter because the grace bomb that went off that we can't believe it was done for us, it wasn't just done for the soldiers, it wasn't just done for the leaders, it wasn't just done for the people there, it is finished for all of us. The price has been paid. That's why we have Easter, to celebrate the greatest grace bomb that has ever happened in the universe. Now I'm gonna invite us all to stand. If you can't stand, if you're too tired, for whatever reason, you can please stay standing. Or if you're just so overwhelmed that you need to stay seated, do what you gotta do. But I want to invite the worship team up, and they're going to lead us in prayer. We do it to music, but it's still prayer for us. And there is nothing you can do. We want you to leave knowing that God loves you. And he would do this all again and again and again, because that's how much he loves us. Now, I could do crazy prayer right here, but... I just want you to repeat after me. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen.
1: Wow! Don't sit. <laughs> how, how could we? After all that. Amazing. I just wrote this as I was singing. I'm just going to read it. There is nothing you can do, undo, or redo to get yourself into heaven. We sang earlier, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is the price of admission. The blood of Jesus of Jesus, not your blood, not my blood, only Jesus. Good Friday is the sacrifice of mercy. Mercy is not getting the thing that we actually do deserve. But he doesn't just leave it at that. We're sitting with a void. We're supposed to get that thing, and it doesn't come. And then Easter Sunday He is risen, and he fills the void with grace. He fills us with love, comfort, forgiveness, his presence that will never, ever leave us. Do you need this Jesus? Say, yes, Jesus. Do you know Jesus? But today... You need a fresh start. You've come in with some stuff, and you need a fresh start. Do you know Jesus, but you need a fresh start? Say yes. Jesus, today, Easter Sunday, is the real New Year's Day for those of us who believe. Clean slate, fresh start. It is finished. He is risen. Amen? Amen. 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 Happy Easter Sunday. You guys can go in his grace and peace. Have a great Sunday.